Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of a rainbow. It's important to me to be an original human being. It's not important to me to be original or different in my music. It's important to me to be original and different in every single thing I do. This is a direct quote from the upcoming interview with Rap Ferreira you're about to hear. And I think that speaks for itself. As one of the champions of smart indie underground hip hop for over a decade and leader of the almighty Rubiak crew, Rap Ferreira has firmly established himself as one of one, never to be duplicated or replaced. His thoughtful, coy, cockiness, and unapologetically strong sense of self has made me a huge fan of his for many, many years. It was a true honor to pick his brain and see that charisma and passion come through fully in our conversation. If you're a fan of Rap Ferreira, you absolutely must listen on. You will love this. Let's get into it. The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Rap Ferreira? How's it going? Doing very well, my friend. Um, I'm thriving and surviving and gliding, so no complaints. This was on my heart. No one ever really dies. Well, no one ever really cared either. They nod as if incredulity made them wiser. The mythicizer, twas the Almighty told me, played a defier. And it pleased them tremendous how I speak my sentence. Instinct prompts me. Ain't no money on my conscience, instinct prompts me Ain't no applause on my heart, instinct prompts me And should it get cold and dark, instinct will prompt me to rob you probably I simply stay in tune, my thoughts are walking baseline There are days I only get to see my son on FaceTime Man-made monsoon, roller coaster tycoon I believe I'll dust my broom as the blues echo through my being I'm very excited to have you on You're, you're one of the first rappers I feel like in I think it was like 2013 it was when things that happened dropped i think that's when i first got got hip to you and i feel like you're one of the first rappers i got into in the that was like a little left of the of like the mainstream i was definitely involved with some of it but and i was getting really into music not just hip-hop at that time i was starting to kind of expand and i tweeted this out recently and it might be a weird thing to say and i don't want you to take it as offense but listening to that things that happened record was one of the triggers for me to realize that i needed to like address my mental health um, well no i wasn't uh, why would i be offended by that <laughs> well i know it's just like i don't want to uh, yeah maybe you would maybe you wouldn't but it's more just about how honest and how like introspective you were it just like activated something in me i'm like man i need to do i it just was like i need to look inside a little more and i was also listening to a lot of music in that range that was very dark to like uh burials untrue kid a so you all right you doing okay though yeah these days are challenging but i definitely think i'm doing what's required i guess it's not always easy though 
I can't speak for every rapper, but I'll say for the rappers, I know we appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, your work is very meaningful to us who feel like nobody listens or gets it or cares. So uh, I hope I can return some appreciation your way and, uh, and, and you know, just give you the feeling that you are doing what you should be doing. You know, it's a give and a take. And, and I think, I don't know, your platform seems awesome to me, dog. Again, I don't know you as a person and you know, we all got struggles, but again, grateful for what you've done with your, your space and your podcast and to choose to follow, like you said, this music that's a little left of whatever, when there's really no reward for that. <laughs> so uh, thank you. It takes, it takes a strong person to want to do that. You know, it takes a strong mind to want to listen to this stuff and to find the value in it because it isn't necessarily readily available or apparent. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, I just, man, that, that's... hear you say that you listen to that record and it was kind of like a, a, a signal to you is very powerful to me because when I made those records around that era, day and night, um, oh man. Milo takes baths. I wish my brother Rob was here. That whole little for me, toothpaste suburb. I was um, grieving and I was deeply depressed and in a mournful state. And uh, what's weird though is that that was my my time of establishing myself as an artist. So a lot exactly. of people thought this cat's bag is he's depressed and da da da. But it was like, nah, not really. Mm -hmm me at this time in my life where I was and so um sometimes I've wondered if it was irresponsible to make music that was so openly juggling with these things because I feel like you know this record came out 10 years ago yeah I feel like it wasn't the same climate as it is now where people are kind of like pimping the mental health you know and you're not wrong it's crazy out here so now I, I listen to that stuff. I'm kind of like, ooh, I don't know if I would have wrote this now. But, you know, back then it was a different feeling and it felt good at the time. And so, again, I'm just grateful to hear you say that that, that helped you catch a little check engine light. Because um, I've often wondered, like, was that whack to do? Should I have kept those songs to myself? Because they were such a integral part of me processing grief. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think as a listener, at least, I think we can tell, at least the people that pay attention to music, you can tell when they're doing, as you said, like they're pimping it out and they're just kind of checking some boxes, hitting some buzzwords to evoke an emotion. And it's like, that's where it gets kind of manipulative, especially when they're starting to make real money with it. And it's, oh, mm -hmm. no. but I didn't, yeah. I didn't get that at all. I, I knew uh, it definitely came off very genuine. And that, that actually, that actually makes me think a lot about kind of, as you touched about, like this was a, this was not only a, I mean, not only a time for you where you were grieving, but this is the time when you were starting to really get the first bit of like serious attention and acclaim. You were obviously younger. It was that was a full decade ago at that point when things had happened and night and day dropped. So, and you know, as an outsider, only knowing you through your music, I can still see how you've matured and grown in confidence, both as like an artist, but even as like a man talking about like the life experiences you touch on in your music. And I wonder how it, it must feel for you 
knowing that so much of your life and your maturation process has taken place in the public eye? Like, how does that actually feel to you? It feels, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that question. It's something I think about a lot. It feels like um, that was what I had to do. Um, you got to be prepared to lift the clan all by yourself. And for me, I had to, I had to put my process out there. I didn't get to do it in private. Um, I just had to, I had to run for it. I had to gun it and just show everybody. Um, so I'm proud of my story and process, but it's not what I would want for like my kids. <laughs> I wouldn't want them to have to do it that way. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm proud and I'm glad that it's, it happened. But I see artists all the time, especially younger artists who get to come out and be all mysterious and shit and fully formed and A&R'd. And, you know, it's like, man, that that's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> but some of us don't get to do that. Some of us have to A&R ourselves in the public domain and workshop ourselves while getting hated on, while getting underfunded, while getting, you know, the sideways reviews from critics who are 10 times more popular than you anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that shit shapes you and, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a thing, you know, you got to really know who you are. You have a strong sense of self to endure that type of thing. It's not for everybody, but I feel good about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel it definitely takes a certain level of vulnerability. And again, go back to what you just said, like being comfortable with yourself because I think it takes a, a strength, you know, it takes yeah. a lot of power to enter uh, a machismo kind of realm and be like, maybe I'm soft mm -hmm. you know? and, and in doing that, being like, maybe I'm the hardest actually of all. <laughs> yeah. um, I've always felt physically safe enough to do that kind of thing. You know, I grew up all over America, but I'm originally from Chicago and my uncle would take me to different rap events. And I don't know, I've just always been encouraged to be myself. <clears throat> and so you know, I'm like six fold, 200 pounds. Uh, I feel safe to be myself. I feel safe to be vulnerable. And uh, I always have when it comes to rap. So I'm grateful. Yeah. And I feel like that that part of you of like, not only being more comfortable and confident, but just all like also being very playful about it, especially in like your last few records. It's really, it's really <clears throat> fucking fun too. at a lot of times. It's just like, damn, you're like, like, I, you know, I don't know if you obviously you remember this, but you went like semi viral off just like this uh, freestyle. I don't know <laughs> what the beat was, but I remember you were like just sitting in your room and I remember it went like really viral. And I was just like, dude, this guy is just so confident, so fucking cocky, but not in like all the negative connotations, just like dance guy can rap. And this is hilarious. And I and I can just see that progression from 2013 to now. It's It's definitely it's definitely different. Thank you. I don't mind being cocky or arrogant or whatever. I think that's, I think that's what an artist has to be, especially, I know that's like cliche or whatever, and it is cliche when a billionaire says it, but when a broke dude who really lives off his craft says it, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, sometimes you got to be your biggest believer. And in rap music, that's encouraged because um, I think, you know, the architects of this great idea of music knew, like, you have to be unabashed and you have to big up yourself. You have to be willing to say, I'm the best and to become the best. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the process. We all know failing is part of the process. We're constantly told that, but we're not constantly told that, you know, 
thinking of yourself as the best, seeing yourself as the best is part of it too. Yeah, man. Thanks. Yeah, I like that rhyme. I think I know the one you're talking about. Maybe it was the Illingsworth beat, my brother Illingsworth. I think it was the Illingsworth one. Yeah, yeah, my I man. He, he got the illest beats, man. I know, my first time out in uh, Ferndale, Michigan, my very first tour, I met Illingsworth. Mm. We played a place called The Loving Touch, which used to be like a massage parlor, and then they turned into a rap venue. That's interesting. Interesting. Um, to Ellingsworth, though, another great dad and musician and human being. One kind of like the main elements that I definitely took from your music when I was first kind of gravitating towards it is obviously how intelligent you sounded, particularly, you know, how well read you were. And it just strikes you, you strike me as a person that like you could have, you're smart, you could have thrived in different industries that weren't just music, especially you know, in like realms of like philosophy and spirituality, those kind of things. So out of all the things you could have tried in your life, why did you want to do rap? Like, why did you want to do music? What first sparked that? I was going to school to be a lawyer. Um, I've always knew my gift was with my mouth and language and communication. Uh, and so it was about finding the way that I could use it best that gave me the most freedom and so uh school and i we've never really got along good um and jobs and me haven't gotten along good <laughs> so i was running into a lot of walls in my life when i was 17 18 19 because i was repeatedly failing out of stuff dropping out of stuff getting fired from stuff and and it it was not be, i'm not lazy and i'm not stupid and that was what was kind of making it difficult. <laughs> and so I couldn't figure out where to get in because it was like, look, I'm not dumb. I'm not lazy, but I'm not doing well at anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, a, a, a sort of, you know, as these things often do, a perfect storm of ingredients came together in my life where I was reconnecting with Mike Eagle. I was, uh, 19 I was I was reconnecting with him and he is just dropping art rap after party and we talking on the phone and he was like where's your mixtape I was like oh yeah you're right Mm. I had the big homie kind of putting that on me summer of 2011 or no spring of 2011 and then uh summer came around and and one of my best friends died and and that night that he died, I wrote Just Us. Mm. The night Rob died, I wrote that song. And wow. so, again, it just kind of availed itself to me where stuff was happening in my life and I was responding um, with the tools that I had. I went back to college, but it wasn't my focus. I just went because I couldn't live at home and I needed a place to live. Yeah, mm. I had, you know, school paid for my lodging. So I went and and just boarded up with a bunch of cool guys who were in a band called Yosemite. They're in a folk band. And I learned a lot about music from them, self-recording techniques. I got my first microphone and just started recording myself in the dorm room. I guess that's, yeah, that's why, because it allowed me the most freedom. I don't know. I just was responding to things in my life that were going on and to the pain that I was feeling. I couldn't focus in school no more. After Rob died, I just could not focus. It was really hard for me to focus. It's hard for me to feel like this stuff was real or important. 
Like I knew people who died, but I didn't know someone vibrant who died. I didn't know somebody with like a whole destiny. I didn't know somebody who was like me who died, where it was like, nah, but this nigga was like, I didn't even know special people did die till I was 19. I thought, I mean, that sounds crazy, but I just mm-hmm. like, I thought NPCs died. I don't know. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. It didn't hit me before. Um, so Rob passing was like, this is my man. Somebody I analyzed Lupe lyrics with would drive around our town bumping Warren G, trying to talk to girls. Like mm. somebody who, when he passed, I still had like coats and sweaters of his, you know, stuff of his in my house. Like this was my man. So I just couldn't keep myself glued to earth no more. I couldn't care about a job. I couldn't care about it. It just broke, it broke the whole illusion for me. Like, I was just like, this shit is a lie. Like, I could die tomorrow and I'm in this room wasting my time trying to fit in with people I don't fuck with no way. And the more and more I boiled on that, the more it was just like, I have to be a rapper. I have to rap. Like, that is my only way out of my condition and my situation. I'm from a poor family, a poor place. You know, I don't have any support i don't there's nothing for me if i don't succeed in college then i'm going to commit crimes (laughs) you know like that's where i'm from like that's what i'm you know um and i didn't want to commit crimes i'm not not about that life i don't want to be but that's where i'm from that's my DNA. so it just i had to put it all in a wrapping and thankfully uh mike eagle was sounding off you know he was giving me feedback and that was keeping me glued, just talking to him, talking to Serengeti, talking to my uncle, Nizam. These are all great Chicago MCs, Gilead Seven. Um, at the time, Lamont Manuel, Sketch 185. These are all great black men who helped me process my pain and made me feel that rap was something to take serious as an outlet, as opposed to something to like exploit yeah something to denigrate and so i felt encouraged like here's this group of highly intelligent outcast type guys who look like me and they're telling me to put it in the rhymes so i just did and yeah i I just say the freedom it afforded me that's why i do that and as i've gotten older i think about Again, I'll be rapping forever, but like I, I kind of want to pick up some trades. I've got some ideas. I'm gonna actually go back to school this year, but to trade school. And nice. I don't even say about for what, but y'all will see. Like I'm, I want to know how to make shit. You know, even pandemic, it really bugged me. I was like, I've been a musician for ten years, and I don't know how to play any instrument. So then I learned guitar because it was bugging me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I just want to address those things in my life. And again, rap has afforded me that freedom. So that's really what all I can say is so I guess kind of a basic bitch answer, but that's <laughs> not basic at all. Like death and just loss like that is one of the obvious most like biggest catalysts for most people to make to like see what's real, see what's fake, see what matters, see what doesn't. I calls it death consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's really what hit me, dog, the death consciousness. Um and it, I was studying philosophy, so I was deep into juju anyway, and just mm-hmm. You know, I was taking Latin and and I wanted to be like a civil liberties defense lawyer. That was my whole shit. Like I wanted to be like the police beat you. Call me, dog. I wanted to be like on the ass. That was all I wanted to do. Um, 
And shit, sometimes I still feel that way. Like, man, imagine if I had been that lawyer. I would have been like, you know, just cooking them. But I don't know. Rapping has helped me. I've met lawyers that I've influenced. So I'm like, cool. Then I'm still out there doing my thing, kind of. That's amazing. And it's also cool you mentioned people like uh, like Sketch 185. I literally talked to him last week. And he mentioned he mentioned you. I uh, mentioned like the connection with analog tape dispenser. I well, didn't. Yeah. I didn't know you guys had that connection though. Like, yeah, it happened at night is your background. So. Yeah, yeah, man. This is the one, man. Yeah, post talk, man. That the- that that sample. I'm Indian. That shit, like that, like <laughs> this spoke to me. I was like, whoa. That's one of the first times I saw. I heard like a Bollywood sample use that nicely, and I'm like, whoo. Yeah, dog. That's funny. Uh, one of my homies uh, sent me because I didn't know what that sample even was, and one of my homies sent me the OG source and was like, nah, you got to watch what you sample because this mm. shit is hard. And it was like, oh, yeah, it's hard. And shout out Analog Tape Dispenser. He, um, he's a seasoned veteran who I uh, was open to working with a total noob. And that was really cool, man. Um, and yeah, Sketch 185, Chicago staple and bulwark of, of Chicago rap. Um, and again, I'm part of a lineage and a tradition, and I, I always like to big up the dudes who influenced me. And again, like I'm not, I'm not in a crew with those guys or nothing, but they just their existence influenced me, and I would be lying if I if I didn't mention them. So that's why, and I'm glad he, I'm glad I got brought up in his shit because man, it's beast, and it's like you blink and time goes by. And now now I've known these dudes as a rapper for like. 10, 12 years when before I just used to look up to them and be like, one day I want to be like what you guys are, <laughs> you know? Uh, I remember back in the MySpace days, Lamont Manuel had the Sylvia Plath Easy Bake Oven, I think EP or something like that. Um, again, Gilead 7 had the, uh, oh, what is that record called with the moon on it? Dark Room, Dark Room, Gilead 7, Dark Room. And he was flipping like Simon and Garfunkel. Dog, I'm in eighth grade listening to this nigga flip Simon and Garfunkel. You know, so again, I feel like I've been listening to weird shit and steeped in it. So that's why I just got to big these guys up Mm because Chicago has always had a vibrant scene of of other ground thinking individuals. It's a, it's a, yeah. I've always been gravitating towards Chicago, even when I was not even into some of those other ground artists, like even just like whatever the mainstream had to offer, I always lean Chicago. Like it's just something about the the mixture of musicality in that city. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and, and speaking of like your style a bit more specifically, uh, you had a really great interview with uh, Open Mike Eagle on the Secret Skin pod. Um, and I, you had one part of it that I found really interesting. You said that you felt like you're kind of rap. You felt like you like the kind of rap that many people don't, which is like a, a brand of rap where it makes you think as quickly as it makes you move, like bob your head, tap your feet. And I was like, damn, that's brilliant. I, I couldn't have said it better myself because that's like, it reminds me of what you do, what Elucid does, your Nostrum Grocer's counterpart, like that, yeah. like, Oh. physical rhythmic but cerebral trance you put me in it's 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 crazy yeah lucid and i we were deep in the r&d for a while together we spent a few years in the r&d lab and uh those are treasured memories to me because i feel like he and i both kind of perfected our approach together 
you know, and not to say like he wasn't amazing before or no, none, nothing like that, but just, I feel like from around, so the flies don't come to Notion Grocers, we were just mind melded up and he would come out to visit at different cribs I live from Milwaukee to Maine and we would just session and, you know, write each other these long emails discussing our concepts of rap. And, you know, I thought rap was that and it isn't, it isn't at all. So uh, to have a friendship like that with Elucid and, and like a working contemporary and it's, it was such a blessing. And that's why I feel like we like, we were deep in the R and D mode and we both were seeing how people connected to our words in this way that again, on paper, we doing the same lyrical, spiritual miracle stuff everybody else is, but for some reason, why they love it though? Why they grooving though? Yeah. Like a lot, like what is that? And so we just were like, man, how, like, where does that go? Like, how, how can we really flesh that out? And I feel like we took that data back to our camps. Like he took that back to backwards. I took that back to Rubiot and we've just been killing it ever since. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a Nostrum Grocers, I think it was 2018, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a good, uh, cause paraffin dropped that year. Like if I'm looking at charting both of where you guys went from that time, like, like I speaking specifically to Elucid, I've, I've always made the comment that I feel like since paraffin, he started to get more into this kind of like casting spells, like really like his, his it's like the flow. It's like chance mantras. Yeah. Sorcerer shit. And I can, and I, and I, it was only later. I kind of re like remembered that you guys had collabed at that time. Like, man, this is a, these clearly you guys cross pollinated there. And now I feel like he's perfecting oh, that. Shit. Bro. We, we toured America. We toured the UK. Like we, we was deep in it for a minute, bro. That's my guy. And again, I picked up a lot of game from him as well on, on syntax and you know not needing to explain not needing to ask for permission yeah um projecting visions into people's minds directly yeah man no nah, he's a dynamic brother a vibrant brother and again there's so few rappers who really are that you know they can turn it on on stage or whatever but off stage they're gonna be like boring as fuck and he's one of the few who's like as vibrant off stage as he is on and I'm that way too. So we just like, <laughs> and um, you know, people be hounding us for that NG too. And we definitely gonna make one, it, but I, I say, speaking for myself, I know I want to be able to lock back in how we used to and not do email shit. You know, yeah. we didn't do that shit on emails. We was linking up and um, vibing out. Could you talk a bit more about your, how you create and like, how like walk us through your typical kind of like recording writing process yeah um i mean i don't really necessarily have a typical one anymore and i've had eras where i did different stuff to get different results and right now i'm i'm in this like parent era where i'm i'm a, I'm a real dad first individual so i have not been writing very much raps the last few years because my son has gotten big and he's like in school now. And, um, you know, so to pay my bills, I'm like hustling merch or shows. And, and then when I'm not doing that, I got to pick up the slack from hustling that shit and be at his events or, or, you know, playing. Yeah. So, I, so now I kind of write raps. It's, it's weird. I used to write them all the time and be able to just indulge like, Oh, I want to write a rap right now. Everything's ending for today. 
<laughs> that is like laughable at this point in my mm-hmm. life. So I have to just kind of like keep the inspo in me. And then I'll, I'll block off like a week, like with five to the eye, I got a week and I went to LA and I just knocked that shit out. And that's what I'll do nowadays is in, and I'll just bring all the feet. Like I'll just summon that shit up and I got a lot to say, you know, so it'll come out at those times, but before it used to be constant automatic and now it's nowhere near that. It's very focused and I, I kind of turn it on. You know, I let I let the words come out and then I turn it off. And I like having that discipline now. Before I used to think it was ill that it was just like, oh, I can't keep it in. I used to think that was the mark of an artist, but now I'm like, no, that's the mark of somebody in pain. That's the mark of somebody dealing with something. Wow. The real artist, right? It obeys me. I don't obey it, nigga. <laughs> and and that's where I'm at now, where it's like we could sit down. You want to write a rhyme? Let's write one right now. And I put my shit against anybody in the world. Um, I don't need inspiration. I don't need anything. And again, to have that confidence, because there used to be a time where I'd be like, every rhyme I write is my last rhyme. I don't have any inspiration. I don't know what, you know. So that was a time where I was like, what if I just can't do it anymore? And now I'm just like, nah, I can do whatever I want. And um, that's why I've just been confident in in being a, a dad first. And then learning guitar second. And it's funny because that stuff, now when I do come back to rapping, like you said, my shit is fun. It's like, it's different. And it's because I'm not a schoolboy about it no more. <laughs> you know, the Milo stuff, especially, I was like, I must study every word and every da, 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 and can't <laughs> anything like anyone else, you know? And, and now I'm just like, I don't care, dog. Like, I just rap how I rap. Y'all can figure that shit out or not. It don't even matter. And yeah. that's a great mindset to live in uh when it comes to rap music I've, I've had to learn to take it less serious that's interesting yeah that at the i had a i had a follow-up to that but you actually answered that that uh, so slumber logic patron of the show i think that answers your question about the the writing process and the routines you have because i didn't expect that i thought you were i thought you were one of those folks that were like all about like it just when it comes to me i have to drop everything and that's interesting and I find that's a lot more realistic for a lot of people's lives. People got, you know, they got day jobs. They got, um, they got to have a life. It can't be, you can't be like a, yeah, like you said it, you can't obey. You have, it has to obey you. I like the, I like the way. Uh, you I mean, before I was, I've never really had a boss. So that was cool. But now I got babies and they my boss. So mm. I have to do what they tell me to. And I'll be up, you know, when I can get a little rhyme in, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a silly thing. It's a silly art form that was started by like children and young adults like 50 fucking years ago. Like it's not something to develop, you know, ulcers over or whatever. Yeah. You know? It's not yeah. something cats be like really up here doing the Rubik's Cube puzzle of a rhyme. <laughs> I guess you could do that, sure. But, you know, it's like pizza or something. Like we're going to eat it at the end, bro. Like it's yeah. going to and shit it out. Like why? <laughs> I put that, I don't know. <laughs> oh. What's a selfie? That's not me. That's my true Lachaki. The path is littered with many a useless tchotchke. I'm Muriel crying, Eustace in that building lobby. Oh, and my courage is such a cowardly dog. Glasses look like jam jars. Rap like if Dr. Parnassus was an Ansar. Ancestor with a capital A. You would sign a contract to earn a capital wage while we tenured in this deplorable reality.
But you, you touched on you touched on originality what you were saying earlier that I found interesting because it it was making me think of uh, that really good skit you had in that track. Um, I'm gonna butcher the name, so you can correct me. Gemalit Hasidim from Diamond Cutter Scriptures uh, no. about the so for those that are unaware or refresh your memory, it's about Jackson Pollock's like 48 month drip painting phase. Um, that's very celebrated, influential, obviously, so new, so groundbreaking. And the the person speaking is talking about how like Pollock metaphorically decided to go back to hell and try something new after doing something already so groundbreaking. So it makes me think about you, like how, related to this idea, like how important is being original and being different in your music? Because you kind of touched on it just before saying, I don't know if you care about that as much anymore. It's important to me to be an original human being. It's not important to me to be original or different in my music. It's important to me to be original and different in every single thing I do. <laughs> like I'm, I was brought up that way. Like my, my pops was like a pops who's like, oh, you seen him do that? So you gonna do that? You think that's cool? God bless you. Like, you think that's cool? Like, that's not cool to me. Find your own way to do it, you know? And that was a big thing in my house. So like, but is that your way of doing it? You know, so that's embedded in me, dog. And it comes through in my music, but it's not like something I turn on for music. That's my life. Like I need my shit custom. And, and that's like a catchphrase of mine. I, everybody who know me, know, I need custom. Like it can't be like anybody else's. I don't, what's the point? <laughs> what is the point of being alive if not to just, you know, do it your way. And I hope all my kids get that from me. You know, I, I don't want, I don't know out here. It's like, it's so easy, you know, with Google and shit. YouTube tutorials. Let me look up how to do that. It's like, why you ain't find your own way to do that? Like, mm -hmm. you know, um, so yeah, I would say it's um, it's important to me for life, but not just music. And in hip hop, that's that was like, you know, before the industrialization of it occurred so intensely, that was one of our tenets we honored yeah. most. You know, just like freak it your way, and and. It, Doing something so decidedly yourself is the quickest way to being cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all that kind of shit has been lost in the vapors of, of the now. And um, which is cool because it honestly makes my job easier. You know what I'm saying? And that's why again, I don't trip off trying to be different because I'm 31 years old. I spent a whole lifetime cultivating me to not be like y'all. So I don't even have to try no more. That's automatic. Mm. That's all of that comes, yeah, with age, maturity, just believing in myself i've lived off my ability to write rap since i was 19. why would i have to try to be different y'all got to try to not sound like me at this point i got so many records it's crazy man i see cats now oh you sound like milo i'm like oh that's that's cool man <laughs> that is really something dog like <laughs> ooh. um but yeah like i don't know i guess i could connect it to music in this way i'd say it's important to earn ning a living if you are a true independent artist, that's the only thing you have going for you is you're not like them. If you're an actual independent artist, if you don't, and then cast know what I'm talking about, they'd be mm. saying they're independent and got, you know, licensing, publishing deals with major mm. corporations, all type of shit. I mean, really independent. Um, and, and, and like, you know, doing your own thing that that's all you have. And like that's all I have that's what pays my bills so I want to say retaining myself is integral to my that's, music that's, I love the way you put that and and you know speaking of 
paying your bills, being truly independent. Like I want to get into Ruby Yacht and particularly like what you've learned from that experience, but also there's a kind of a particular idea that or like criticism, I guess you could say that gets lodged at a lot of NDRs that I personally don't fall under. Like I feel like it's whack, but a lot of people have that related to, you know, like indie artists like yourself or like Ka, like the Griselda crew, maybe even pricing music and their like merch or their vinyl at a particular price that they think is fair that is maybe more expensive than what you get on like the regular market and people find that's unfair they feel like slighted what would you say to those people because i have an opinion but i'd obviously love to hear your perspective on that i mean anyone who has that opinion is not a thinking individual that's immediately what i know when someone tells me that i say so you like to say opinions before you think and you have not really considered what it means to be a musician the costs of this life mm -hmm. and you want me to pull out my accounting book my receipts my stratagems and explain to you why this is this amount and some cats are worth entertaining that and some aren't obviously we talking to a platform many people we can break this shit down the reality is is when you are an independent artist, you are overworked, period. And you have to do so many jobs that again, are filled for a major label artist or any label artist by nameless cogs in the machine. Yeah. Not with the nameless cog in the machine route. I don't like not knowing who packed my tape that got to you. That, that doesn't make me feel cool. That's not why I started doing this. Mm -hmm. So to have Rap Ferreira pack your cassette, seal it, tape it, take time from my kids, take time from my raps to go to the post office and drop that bitch off. Yeah, it's going to cost a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> That's just what it is. Like there, there's yeah. no way around that. We didn't for pay me, rap for air for the corporate like little me, dog. Hey man, you can love any of these rappers you want. Did Kanye pack your order for you? Did even Quelle Chris pack your order for you? Did any of them do that? No, that was Rubia who did though. So again, that's why I want, I want my money. Um, because any order you've ever received from us was packed by the artists who, who live and breathe and die on this label. And most of us, only a couple of us even have day jobs. And again, I'm paying, like with the vinyl, we did $150 vinyl. I'm trying to buy a house, right? I've been a renter my whole life. Even right now, I'm renting this home. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, I was just straight up evicted, not because I miss rent or anything, but because my landlord wanted to sell the home. I've kissed. Mm -hmm. Even a 30 day notice. Did yes, I go sir. on the internet and complain? Did you see me with a GoFundMe? No, you didn't, because I got my shit done. But likewise, this is how I feed my family. So now the price got to go up because I need a home. And more than that, the price for the shipping on international orders for the pre orders went up three times in the year since Cass bought the pre order. So I had to cover that cost. On top of that, I have to hire my homies Eldon and Brando to help me pack. And I don't want to pay them an a menial or insulting amount. Yeah, exactly. I really fuck with who I want to give them an amount that it's like, yo, now you could do something. So yeah, all that costs money and $150. Look, if you smoke weed, I don't even want to hear that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like $150 is not a lot of, of money for playtime. It's a lot of money when we talk about groceries or rent or whatever, mm -hmm. of course. But in terms of not necessities, if you got it, What's $150? Not much. And again, you know, in your soul, you're buying something directly from an artist who lives and breathes this shit for real. 
and who owns everything, who really packed everything, like drive myself to every show. Like even my agent, even my agent who I've been with now for 10 years is, is a man like me who used to be an indie rapper who aged out of it. He felt like didn't want to do that no more and didn't have enough other options other than a book full of bars he used to rap at. And now he books for me. He's not with an agency. I'm not signed to an agency. <laughs> like you see the dude you emailed for me, Oliver booking at Gmail. Yeah. It's just a guy, bro. Yeah. Like the whole shit is like that. And it's on purpose. That's what cats don't get. Like to this day, people talk to me like I'm striving to blow up or some shit. I'm like, are you stupid? I don't want to get signed. I don't fuck with that. And it's hard. They make it hard. The industry makes it hard. And so I have to be harder. And part of that is definitely asking for what I need. Listen, all my music, you can get all of my music for no money for free. And I put my newest releases for free on my Bandcamp. Whatever my most recent album is, is available for no money. Once I move to a next record, then I might price it to something. But my most, I did I right now, you can get that for no money. So why would me selling a vinyl for it of any amount piss you off? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, wow. And, that, and like, man, and that doesn't, even, you haven't even touched on an obvious thing. Cause I think what you talked about is, is really important. The most obvious elephant in the room is the whole reseller game. That's just a complete like fraudulent. Like, I don't like, even care about the reseller yeah. game. Listen, but that, but that alone is like, what do you? What are they? Oh, sell it for thirty, so I can take what you made and sell it for one hundred fifty tomorrow. Like that's just. Fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, dog, that's America. I'm a hustler, born a hustler. You got to do you. But likewise, you've never seen me hate on a reseller. I don't hate on resellers. That's a that's you making me feel the big time. I'm legit. Mm. If you can live off a of reseller, my shit. Thank you. I'm legit. Uh, but I need to eat too. Yeah, Fuck exactly. If cats are able to buy houses off reselling my shit and I'm still renting, why would that be smart? That's not mm -hmm. smart. So um, just getting older with this and asking for what you need. If I keep selling records at $10 a record, I will never own where I live. <laughs> like that paradigm don't work for the independent artist. That works yeah. for the major label artist who has hundreds of employees working at Warner Brothers, doing shit, interns who don't get paid, who are unnamed, all that type of shit that goes on. That's not happening with me at any level. Um, I know every single person by name in the chain of getting my music to you. Like every single one by name, like they got their number in my phone. There's nobody involved in my music that I that I don't know like that on a first name basis and I that's very important to me mm. man no I, I'm really I think that's just important for people to understand I, I always get bothered by this rhetoric myself and I'm not even the artist obviously you already know dog it's the same cat who always says that shit so it, yeah. it don't even matter because it's like listen I stopped listening to white guys's opinions 10 years ago I don't give a fuck bro it's not cat who look like you or me whoever says that it's always yeah. you know what I mean it's we know who, and it's the mm. every other that, that okay, great. <laughs> I don't care, bro. Move along. You don't like this shit. It ain't for you. I really didn't want you here anyway. <laughs> like, that's how I feel. You know, some of these cats get it so twisted. Like, they got money, and I'm supposed to clamor for that. Who would want you as a fan? Look at you. Your, your fucking drawers is dirty. Your breath stank. You over here thinking you somebody because you got money. I don't even want you as a fan. You're not cool. <laughs> that's how I feel. Yeah, no, no, no. I love that. Uh, all right, I want to get, I want to touch on this blues, blues album that you dropped here because that was definitely something I think took people by surprise who weren't paying attention to like what you've been working on, and kind of the skills as you said you've been trying to establish over the past few years since the pandemic, especially. 
what does blues music do to you as both like a creator and listener like that or what does it bring to you that you can't get from rap necessarily that you can get from blues music you know this annoying buzzword that like plagues the modern era organic Mm. there's nothing about rap music that is organic rappers don't meet at the park no more to rap um beat makers you know need a down payment on the beat like it ain't no part of this that's organic you can't just come to rap and love it and do it don't nobody want to hear that shit um you know you got kids who are like i don't freestyle you gotta pay me oh okay you know it's just totally like a business cool me too shit when i open my mouth to rap i want i want some money too mm-hmm. but again as a musician with over 10 years logged i wanted something that was freer that wasn't connected to industry i wanted to be able to make music that didn't need an audience or a bar or even electricity you know again stuff you start thinking about like man if if all the infrastructure in America fell apart, how would I still be a musician? That's what I said to myself as a rapper. If this computer won't ever turn on again, there goes my rap career. <laughs> there, and, and unfortunately, I'm, again, over a decade in, so I have no other skills. What am I going to do? That just that kind of thinking really bugged me. I played a few shows where the power's gone out. It's weird. It's a funny moment. Wow. You're all just standing there like, guess we just go wait for the power to come on to have a show. You know, he's just like, so what's the show? Just a little stuff like that kind of put me on the thinking about it. And then during the pandemic, you know, loss happened and I just felt that was the time to get into it. And it's put me on this path of acquiring trades now. Like I want to be able to know stuff. I want to be able to do stuff um, without like having to consult Google without mm-hmm. having to hire somebody to do that for me. That whole way of living in life that I've been brought up in modern America to accept is okay. I now am repulsed by it. Um, yeah. And I think uh, also with blues, like when you say it's that buzzword organic, I'm thinking of that past conversation I had with Sketch because he has a track called Western Automatic Music that he uses a couple times as term. And he refers to blues music as being Western automatic music, which is like Western music's like, I oh, forget, like the the first like impulse of music in Western society. And like what is the ground kind of like the foundation for everything is blues. And that definitely it's fits automatic in. Automatic. I think it just, I, I don't want to butcher it. So I'm not, I'll, maybe I can send that to you after, but he was talking about it just being like, that's what comes naturally. Like that's the first like, the first inkling, like the first basis for making rap is not, it's, it's blues, like same kind of idea for a lot of like Western music. And I, and I, I thought that was interesting, especially because I was thinking about this album that you had dropped um, and what you've said about blues music in the past. So I found that interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. But it also, I mean, it's, it's interesting and there's implications to what he's saying, because if that's true, then it means that the, the Western suffering is automatic because the blues cannot be divorced from the inflictor, right? Blues is blues is oppressed people comforting themselves. Mm. So if that's automatic, what does that mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what is yeah, that? No, that's true. Um, and so that's why I asked that question because I'm I would agree, but those implications are 
devastating. They are. It's heavy, that's heavy business. Um, it wasn't said why, lightly. I'll say that. It wasn't yeah, said lightly. That's why I return to the root. You know, blues is right. How an oppressed people comfort themselves. That's not what rap is. Rap isn't that. And so I needed to check in. Mm. You know, I'm a rapper that a lot of people call spiritual or whatever. And again, I don't feel, I don't feel spirit in raps. <laughs> I mean, sometimes maybe in the physical I do, but that's about it. And with the blues, like there's like ownership is like a perverse concept that don't even really exist in the blues. Like, is this your song? It's like, whose song is it? There's mm. 1000 versions of this song over the past hundred years. Who had it first? I don't fucking know. You know, while the rap, it's super like, no, this is my song. My yeah, sound. biting and uh, the whole idea. Yeah. yeah and like, I just love that, again, the root of black music in America, all those kind of concepts are like, ugh, like that's gross, bro. It's about getting your soul out. It's about, you know what I mean? Like, who ownership, selling, that's weird. And again, even studying the blues, I learned, do you know why you think a song should be three minutes? It's because that's what fit on them old wax discs when they first started recording music. Mm. You know, like the concept of an album was born because recording music happened. So yeah. now songs had to be collected into something and birth the album. There's right. no 17th century album, you know, and so just learning that kind of stuff that again in rap is like the perfect album 10 songs and blah, 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 blah. and there's like this algorithmical science to get it. and it's all bullshit and it's not based on anything historical it's all based on white man ideas of how to make money and again all that stuff bogs me down <laughs> it weighs me down so i needed to find an escape i needed my own turf my own turf to play around in. Um, and, and at least if I in, interacted with people in this turf, you know, call them the blues a turf, that I know they're crazy. They don't care about money. They don't even want an audience. If you play an acoustic country blues in 2023, you are in a fucking insane. So, right. <laughs> um, and that's, that's what it's given me. And that freedom has made me fall back in love with rapping again. Not like I ever fell out, but I don't know. Shit was getting reinvigorated. You, you yeah, know, definitely, definitely. Back I, in. I feel like I can bring something to rap that's novel and new, even to me. Which is like, yo, you know, all this shit is alive, right? Like, and again, now, now that I've sat and really learned and studied, I know over a hundred songs that are a hundred plus years old. Wow. And I can pull out a guitar, any guitar, and play them for you. And so in that way, I've become not just a poet, but a bard and a historian of my people. And that's real life. You know, like cats, a lot of rappers will invoke the blues and talk about the blues. But do they know the cats who played it? Do they know the chord structures? Do they know the lyrical inferences? Do they know, you know what I mean? Like to really keep this for our people? Have you done that work or are you still just trying to earn brownie points with white folks? Hmm. I mean, like to me, it's about really retaining this and being a link in that chain and passing it on to my kids so they keep it alive. And, you know, I just want to say shout out to my teacher, Samuel James, the illest fucking blues man breathing. 
And uh, this brother's taught me guitar. Now we over on Monica. Um, I'm learning a bunch of shit. Might hit the banjo next. Oh, shout out to this brother. Shout out to all the great blues people of the now who keep our shit alive for us, who play it the old way, who aren't fucking intimidated by the industry or none of this bullshit. Like y'all are warriors in a way that a rapper could never be. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. Um, I think that was so well said. And the, the the record that you dropped right after, I think, I don't know necessarily when chronologically you recorded this, but that I keep, cause you keep talking about freedom, you know, that's something you, you brought up in a lot of different parts of this conversation. And I feel just like a really significant, like weightlessness type feeling with five to the eye with stars. I think this is maybe you're like your most complete album, if you will, like from like songwriting, beat selection, just kind of like how the album with ebbs and flows in this like really nice, neat kind of like trajectory. I have, I have a lot of reasons why I feel like this record stands out in your catalog, but what, in your opinion, made it special to you making it? This is the first time that I've made a record and deferred to someone above myself. Every single project you've ever heard from me, I have been um, the chief executive officer, executive producer. I have had the overwhelming say of everything. And I mean, this record, Father the Eye, is no different, but I chose as the executive to step down and to just be an artist. And I have, a, you know, my, my big bro, Daddy Kev, oh, okay. he wanted to do a record with him. So I had approached him and just been like, bro, just produce me, bro. I've never, I've never had this. I've never had this. I've just been getting my own beats, doing my own shit. Like, I feel like I could be dope in a system, in a program, like just, you know what I mean? Hand me whoever you like, just give me their beat and I'll rap it, you know, and give me feedback. If it's whack, I'll do something else. And uh, so that's what we did. And he didn't give me like any feedback. He liked all the raps, but we did a bunch of them. And when we were done, he was like, I think the album is this nine. And I think it's in this order. And I just said, okay, I didn't even listen to him. <laughs> I just said, whatever, <laughs> whatever you think. I know what I put into it. I put my whole heart into every single song we did. And again, I just want to be part of a system. It isn't five to the eye with stars. It's my album. And it brought a lot out of me, but it was, again, it was me being part of a system, part of all these great LA beat makers, my dog Kev on the boards and just being like, what happens if I just focus my talent on these words? You know, what, what, what will happen? Because again, coming from playing blues so intensely the last, well, I guess at that time it was about a year and a half. I just, I started to realize like it's in me, dog. It's in me. It's in me. It's not on me. It's not about the beats I've cultivated. It's not about any of this other shit. It's about what my ideas are. And that's what I bring. And that's what makes it special. So let's just go back to that. And that's what I'm going to do. And I put myself in this situation where everything else is handled by other people. And I will defer to Kev's taste. Whatever Kev thinks is dope on this record, that's what I'm going to do. Because again, I've done every other album. I know how the world feels about me and my ideas, mm -hmm. but I want to try something new. And so this process taught me a lot and it opened up a lot for me. And it, it was crazy, uh, kind of like re revelatory. Um, and we're going to do another one. Oh man. I, I mean, I, I guess my question to, to follow up on this is why, 
I guess, was it the work on the blues music that you really felt like you wanted to submit, if you will, to someone else's kind of world and just do your part, do the words and let everything take runs course? Nah, man, I had to step it up and go like just being broke, just being like, man, if I keep doing these weird albums from the middle of nowhere all by myself, that's cool. But it's also very isolationist. It's very solipsistic. It's not that might be a dark path to continue down. Mm. And again, just mentally and everything else, just like, do I really want to feel like it's me against the world? Do I really want to feel that way? I don't. And um, again, I got big homies. I got real life big homies. So why don't I just call on one? <laughs> and yeah. that's what the record was. You know what I mean? Just like my big homie is a Grammy award winning fucking legend in the game. Le- wow. Absolute legend, man. You know I mean, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, why wouldn't I just ask him to help me? And again, I'm blessed enough that he actually will. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why. Just because it seemed like, holy fuck, man. Like I've been so caught up in being a rapper. I hadn't just stopped and checked in with my 10 year old self that's like yo, i've been working with kev for 10 years i've been doing all this like man what if i just again made it made an la record you know because i'm i'm a chicago dude but if i wasn't i'd be an la dude <laughs> yeah you've like, always had the la like oh i love that vibe. Yeah. i adore la i'm just too poor for la <laughs> and yeah. i'll always be too poor but i love la and i love them rappers i love that sound and and they all know it. I, I show so much love to LA. So I just wanted to do that. I just wanted to be down and do my part. And just, again, just be part of a program. I'm a company man deep in my soul. I don't want to be a Ronin. I don't like to be on my own. I like to be a company man. I like to wear a uniform every day and represent something else. You know, mm-hmm. that's my thing. Man, I think the spirit of collaboration like really invigorated you on that, man. Cause, and I love that. That was the the big thing about the, how cohesive it was, but there's so many different names on the boards. Like all just felt like it could have been made by one guy. Like, in a big, well, oh, cool. I, I guess I would say the one do um, was really Kev and his wife, Danielle, uh, you know, that tag team together uh, and just their ears and eyes made it, made it really easy for me. They did all the pre-work again, of finding beats and tapping in with cats. So I could just come out there that week. And it was like, this is what we got to do. We just got busy. It like, I want to say 10 to 12 hour days every day in the studio. Kev was a beast and I'm a beast. So that was also it. We had never worked together in the studio, but it always heard legends of each other's prowess in there. So, you know, when we got in there, it was just us, just Kevin, me. And yeah, we doing 10, 12 hour days, smoking like chimneys, eating good, discussing bizarre things and getting to business. And it was awesome. I love it. (laughs) All right, man, your last thing I wanted to talk about, speaking of collaborations, is Jesus with AJ Sway, man. I've been a big fan of the Sway God. You guys have a collaborative album coming as a duo named Jesus. Um, And I believe the album's fully going to be fully produced by Steel Tip Dove. Is that correct? As of right now, it is. Okay, okay. And you guys just went on tour along with uh, Eldon Summers. So... Uh, first off, like just what is it about Sway's artistry that made you want to not only work with him, but form this legit duo with him, Jesus? I mean, I don't know, bro. When I when I resonate with a cat, I just do. I don't know. I just feel in my gut. I'll just be like, oh, you were ruined. Um, and I met Sway a number of years ago uh, through some other cats and through some other stuff, other lives. 
And uh, then we linked on the rap and stuff. And I just like his style. I like how he carries himself. I like how he conducts business. I like, I like a cat who's about what he says and who lives what he says. I really admire that. And um, that's AJ Sway. <laughs> so yeah, it just became obvious to me we should do some shit. And uh, we did a couple, what did we do? We did Suede, yeah, we did some shit. And then like, I don't know, the idea was just brewing in my head. I think I visited Dove in Brooklyn. He 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 showed me these beats. I was like, don't you think Suede and me was like crazy in these? And he was like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, let's check in with him, see what he thinks. And of course, Sway was like, I'm all the way in. And then I, I'm weird. The name got to be there for me. So I was like, well, let's think of a name. And then the name came and we were like, oh, yeah, now nah, this shit. No, that's fire. That's fire. Right. Jesus. Yeah. We were like, this got the workings now, boy. And so the name's so heavy, we didn't even, we were going to like, it's crazy. It's, we have a record that's basically done. But we were just like, dog, I don't know. Like, we're in no rush to drop shit because we know how nasty we are. It's like, and there's some crazy songs that we have written. Um, really good songs that I'm excited about whenever they come out. Uh, but yeah, that dude, he's got great work ethic, man. He's focused and he he's uh, whimsical. As funny as that may sound, he is very whimsical. And he he doesn't take a day for granted. I would say to be a collaborator of mine, you can't take a day for granted. And I, and I think he definitely has like a really strong sense of self that I see in you too. And a really good grasp of like how the world works, if you will. And he's definitely like on some other shit when it comes to his understanding of like spirituality too. Like that's one of the biggest things I love about his music. Absolutely, bro. He's, um, he's a traveler in, in, in real life. And, Again, when you meet one of those, you just feel blessed. And I'm somebody who I think everything is on purpose. So, you know, if we if we come across each other, if we have an encounter, if I feel a way about you, I, I got to make a move off that because I, I feel like things are on purpose. And so I just felt like, yo, Sway not connected or cross paths for a reason. So lean into it just like i did with elucid just like i did with elder summers just like i did with pink navel with sb demore with randall bravery with kenny siegel with sam herring with kayla sheree like any anybody i meet on this journey who i'm like wait you're you you're alive (laughs) (laughs) then i just want to be down like you know i want i want to i want to quest with that person and learn from them I feel like all the artists that I've worked with, I've learned so much from them and I've benefited from their company and being able to watch them maneuver. I'm a student first, always, and especially a, a fan. You know, I'm a fan of AJ Suede and of Elucid, all these guys. I'm a fan. So I just listen and learn. Man, that's amazing. Well, I just have to say thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, if there's anything that you want to shout out that's upcoming projects, new or old that you want to shout, uh, tell people where to find them. Yeah. I mean, tour as well. Anything in a billion things up. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm opening soul folks South down here in Cashville, Tennessee, hopefully in May I'm touring tough all year. Uh, soul We'll put more dates up. We doing America 
Japan, Canada, UK. Oh, Canada. Yeah. Come back to Toronto, please. Oh, yeah. I definitely. definitely coming to Canada. I didn't even know, man. Canada's cold. I hadn't toured coast to coast Canada. I was like, oh, Canada's dope. I can't believe I was leaving y'all out. Like, I'm yeah. definitely. Um, and, I, and, you know, doing a bunch of collaborative things. This year, I'm in a collaborative spirit tough. So I'm trying to get Jesus done. Um, I'm working on some stuff with my brother Eldon. Been working on some stuff with Illingsworth. I told Mike Eagle we need to give the people what they want. I told him we got to make an album. Like, boy. Oh, my God. That, right. That's going to be one of the highly anticipated. That's what I'm saying. Like, bro, we got to give time. what they want, bro. And, and he was like, I think we do. So, you know, that's that's been discussed. Uh, all type of stuff. We got a Ruby Eye album that's been done. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm definitely going to drop another solo record this year at some point. Yeah, I'm going hard on this shit this year. Next year, I don't know about 2024, but 2023, it's just staying active. I ain't even got to shout nothing out. You will see it. Man, yeah, it sounds like it, yo. Like you and Mike, that sounds like uh, that sounds like metal clergy, like of a different lane of like the Ka Rock Marciano. It's like the the two the two superheroes teaming up. Like that that's that's gonna be too good to be true, man. Can't wait. Oh man, that's like. I mean, to me, it's just like it mine and Bruce Lee or something, dog. Like that's 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 the man who showed me this kung fu, and you know, I took it far. I did my thing with it, but I'm definitely like I listen to every Mike album. Like that shit came from down on high, you know. And um, shit, uh, auto auto system with the reverse component, a tape yeah. called Auto System with the Reverse Component. It's a hard one to say. <laughs> Nah, it's just I was actually thinking about the other one because that one resonated too because he dropped anime trauma divorce yeah. and I was going through divorce. But I just kept my shit to myself. I didn't even want to talk about it. But mm. I bumped his album a lot because it was like, damn, this boy brave. Um, so yeah, man, you already know. You already know. Mike and I, whatever record we make, it'll be fucking freaky. I mean, there might be a 30-minute conversation on there not even a song it might just you know it's some weird shit like yeah um i don't know i feel like when he and i work together we egg each other on to be more insane <laughs> yeah that's so, good steel sharp and steel definitely yeah well man i think thank you again and you know what you're doing for music i think is like truly gonna get remembered for generations like i, I genuinely genuinely believe that so yo thank you Thank you, dog. I believe that too. And it's, um, it really means a lot to me to hear that from you, from someone from a whole other country, because I believe that too. So I thank you. And, um, you know, let's, let's put our money on it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> as we are, yeah, as yeah. we are. Rap, uh, the rap, rap music plug. What is it? The rap music plug podcast. And I'm the rap music plug. Yeah. That's right. The rap music plug podcast. And Ruby, I, we put our money on it. Yeah, we live in what we spitting. And yeah. I just think that's so ill, man. And thank you for being unabashed with your love of this art and 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 to just again take it upon yourself to disseminate that to the world. It's no small thing, dog. So thank you. Man, bless, bless. Take care. Have fun with your have fun with your kids today. Thanks, G. Peace, bro. Feeling of aliveness, can't say I've ever been uninspired or resorted to ass kissing. Even when my sandwich had the bigger half missing, my advice for life would be to laugh and listen. Simple hillbilly in the city like Jack Witten, Tron Barter. 
at Guitar Center. 16 bars is warm dinner. Born sinner and saint. Victor use blood for pain. Abuse in my drink. Trauma my cup. Diploma my gut. Burning bush out front. Long day for lone wolf and cub. Long day. Another long day. Long day. there we have it another episode of the rap music plug podcast presented by qlc tv i hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer if you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new rap music plug podcast patreon Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just wanna keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace. Peace.